It had to be you. Is that men and women can't be friends because the sex part always gets in the way. Hello, romantics. Welcome to A Pod to Be You, the Talk Film Society podcast that's all about falling in love on the big screen. I'm your host, Manish Mather, and uh, we're talking about a movie today that is currently in theaters and sort of in the awards uh, conversation, kind of a um, one of the, I think, most critically acclaimed movies of the year, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's Licorice Pizza. Really excited. I'm a huge fan of Paul Thomas Anderson. I did Phantom Thread about a year ago um, on this podcast, so uh, please go and check that out if you um, are so inclined. But I'm really excited uh, because I have a really uh, special guest, uh, Tom O'Keefe from the Real Spoilers podcast. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for being here. I'm really excited. Um, just, yeah. I love the premise of your show. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, we, I love I love romance movies, and I'm really excited when there's kind of like a big one that's kind of out and people are talking about it. And uh, Liquor's Pizza, definitely one of my favorite movies of the year, um, and I'm really excited to talk to you about it. Before we get there, I just want to ask you like about Paul Thomas Anderson. Like, are you a fan of his? Are you... Um, is he really kind of like one of your favorite filmmakers or just someone that you check out occasionally? Like what's the, um, what's the history? Yeah. It's funny. Cause it's like, he's made a lot of movies that I've really liked. Yeah. And, uh, um, but I, I, I haven't really like kind of connected them in terms of like, Oh yeah. Like I dig this guy. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And, and I think some of it's because his movies can be pretty different, mm-hmm. you know? And so like, uh, you know, Boogie Nights is not like There Will Be Blood. And so sometimes I think I was seeing a movie and I know I review a million movies, but like it didn't necessarily stick in my head that like that's a Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Yeah. And, and the same way that like, you know, when you walk out of a Spielberg movie or a Quentin Tarantino movie. Um, but I also will say I have some big gaps in my Paul Thomas Anderson. Like I've never seen Magnolia. I've never seen Punch Drunk Love. Um, I, and I should also say in the interest of full disclosure, I hated inherent vice. Like (laughs) I literally stopped watching it, which I almost never do. I was like, I was probably an hour in and I was just like, I don't get it. I don't like it. And it's just going to keep doing this. I, (laughs) I, I got it. Now I didn't review it either. Like I didn't, you know, I didn't then turn around and try and review it, it, but I was like, it was in the middle of award season and I was pounding through screeners and I was just like, I'm not going to be voting for this for anything. I'm going to move on to the next item. up. For no, no, I'm totally with you there. That's my least favorite of his movies. I totally agree with you. I think it's like so hard to get through. I've seen it. I've seen it twice actually, just cause I watched it like last year. I did a whole rewatch of all his movies and inherent vice was on HBO. So I was like, I'll just watch it and see if I like love it or whatever. And I enjoyed it more cause I knew to expect it to be really slow and kind of like vague and stuff. But right. Yeah. I can't say that I'm a huge fan of his. And I think that's which the is, one that's like, I don't really care to rewatch, you know, over totally. and over. which is odd though. Cause like it, it the licorice pizza kind of does the same thing. Yeah. And yeah. so like, I don't know why it works in one place and not in another. And, I guess it's very like episodic. And so if you're not like, it's almost like a Mitch Hedberg routine in that, mm-hmm. like some comedians are storytellers and some are joke tellers. Right. And yeah. and so Mitch is kind of the classic joke teller, but he lives and dies from joke to joke. Like if you're telling, a, if you're a storyteller comedian, right. And, and I'm blanking cause the only two storyteller comedians I can think of off the top of my head of both done horrible sexual things so i can't oh, no. them. but it's like but like if you're telling a big long story like you don't necessarily have to be funny joke to joke where yeah. in, the, in quite the same way but when you're mitch hedberg like here's a here's a thought and if that's not funny you just crashed and burned and you got to hope you win them back on the next one yeah. and i guess it's kind of like that where like i liked all the anecdotes in this and I didn't really care for the anecdotes and inherent vice, maybe. I don't know. Well, I think the one thing that Liquor's Pizza has, which I'm excited to get into, is it has a lot of energy. Like, there's just a lot of, like, running, a lot yeah. of moving, a lot of walking, a lot of, like, driving, of course. So it's, like, 
it doesn't I feel like with inherent vice it was just very like just slow there was kind of like in I don't know it just it didn't click for me and um I uh, I'm not surprised that it didn't click for a lot of people <laughs> um but I you know in general like what are your general thoughts on the Chris Pizza like how did you um how did you really react to it when you saw it sure so um I so I'm of two minds because it's like I like I love the movie and I I almost feel like in the same breath I have to almost apologize for loving the movie <laughs> because it's I you know it does have some problematic elements yeah, to it. Yeah, yeah. Um uh but you know I, I think one of the things I really enjoyed about the movie is it like is my age, right? So I'm I'm 51 and and I grew up on the tail end of this era and and the living in the Midwest like everything gets here last, right? Like we're yeah. still, we're still wearing parachute pants. And so, um, so like that, I mean, watching this movie, I'm like, this is what my childhood looked like visually, you know, yeah. even though I, I didn't grow up in California, but, but like the wood paneling and the outfits and the cars and the, like the technology, like, I'm just like, Whoa, this this is my childhood. Like, this is what it looks like. And, and it's funny. Cause I know like once upon a time in Hollywood is set in essentially the same time frame, And, uh, and, and it looked great, but it didn't have the same effect on me. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's just because of the characters. I can relate more to, uh, you know, a kind of a dorky fat kid. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We all can you know, punch it above his weight class. <laughs> yeah. Chicks he likes, and so, um, uh, so that was my first thought, and and uh, but yeah, like I, I, it's hard not to 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 get hung up on the age thing, though, isn't it? Well, you know, for me, it is, and it's not. I mean, I think that like when when the reviews for first coming out of this movie, and everyone was like, "Oh, there's this age gap." I mean, they look the same age on the poster and in the trailer. Like, right? You know, I mean, she looks a little older, but he also looks older, and I hadn't seen either of them before, so I, you know, I didn't know how old they were, but I was expecting the movie to be about like the two of them like dating, and I feel like they are, but they're not. You know, like it's not totally. really. They're not like going on dates. They're not like going to get married. They're, they're just kind of like entangled with each other. So I found like the age gap thing didn't really. So I've seen the movie twice. And the first time I kept being like, okay, I hope this doesn't really cross into a line, cross over a right. line that like I don't want it to cross. Right. Um, so I felt the second time I saw it, it really just like clicked for me, and I felt I really fell for the movie, and I thought that like the um, age gap in some ways made the movie work a little better because it's really just about this like weird crush that this guy has and yeah. how like the how Alana is kind of just humoring him and just and she kind of goes back to him anytime she like tries to be an adult and fails. <laughs> so yeah, and, it's kind of like so, yeah, I don't it doesn't really bother me as much, but I totally can see how it could bother some people. I feel yeah. like most of the people who have a problem with the age thing and and just to be clear, they're I get it. There's nothing wrong with having a problem yeah, with the yeah, age thing, right? Definitely. Um, but I feel like a lot of the people that have that problem haven't seen the film. Yeah, um, yeah. Because if you see the film, like the relationship is is practically chaste, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like C H A S T E, just to, to be yeah. clear. Although there is chasing, right? Yeah. But um, like, yeah, like you said, they're entangled. Like, he's clearly hot for her, and she's not having it. But she's also. But she is on some level intrigued by him, but she's keeping him at arm's length, and there's really no physical involvement until the last scene, although there there is a moment where she shows him her breasts, yeah. and, and some people are aghast at that, And but I will also say, playing devil's advocate, that you know, the whole like, oh my God, he saw boobs, that's kind of an American thing, right? Yeah. Like, in another country... That would not be as transgressive, right? Like, well, it's, yeah, it's funny you say that because just last night I watched um, Federico Fellini's Amarcord. I don't know if you've seen that, but it's basically no, him like that's talking. Too fancy for me. <laughs> <laughs> I was in a fancy mood last night, um, but it's it's Fellini just kind of making a movie about like his childhood growing up in the town, and there are like so many scenes of like kind of like the neighborhood boys just like looking at like these like Italian women with like you know booksome figures and lots of curves and sure. I'm, it, you saying that it being like. Um, 
like a, an American thing to be so aghast by that. I totally agree because I think if like if the Flea movie had come out now or in America, I think people would be also be kind of like shocked by it. But I'm like, have, have you, know, you ever seen? Speaking of movies, that you're shocked by like, and this is a, a, a movie about falling in love, so it'd be, it'd be good for your podcast. Except yeah. you would probably be appalled by it with <laughs> present day eyes. Um, uh, a movie called Summer of '42. No, I haven't. Okay, so it was a big hit back in the day, big enough that it it garnered a sequel in an age where you didn't get a lot of sequels, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's a it's about this kid who who fought, who's like at the I think he's like at the Jersey Shore. Don't think the TV show. Um, and uh, it's and it's the it's 1942, and he's in he falls in love with this older lady, mm-hmm. and and it's about like you know will they won't they will she take him serious will, will she not and like i remember this movie as like oh this was this really cute kind of coming of age movie and i went back to try and watch it a couple years ago and like dude i couldn't make it through more than like 20 minutes because like the other two he's got these two friends that are like the comic relief and they are by modern sensibilities reprehensible like they're like they're just so like sleazy about what they think about women and i'm like that's was acceptable for and and it, I know the movie's set in forty two, but it came out I think in like seventy two, and so, um, it's it is kind of shocking sometimes to go back and watch some of those. those yeah, like yeah. I no, I totally agree. And I mean, like, I um, I'm definitely someone that kind of like wants to like talk about this kind of st- like I would want to sure. watch that movie and talk about it on the podcast just because I think it's interesting to think about like what things were kind of acceptable back in the back in the seventies, back in the forties, you know? Because yeah. like definitely like with the moment when Alana flashes him, I mean, I think that's something that I've kind of heard guys who are of that age group be like, yeah, that happened, or that's something I would have wanted. You know, it's like it doesn't seem sure. like. It doesn't. It's. I mean, it doesn't seem like she's like trying to like seduce him. If anything, she's just like, okay, let's just get it over with. So you'll stop. Right. You she know. does it in a very unsexy way. Right. It's yeah. Not. She's not coming on to him. She's like, okay, okay, you're you're not going to shut up about this. Here you go. Yeah. And then she immediately smacks him in the face. <laughs> right. Because he's like, can I touch him? And she smacks. Him. So yeah. like, you know, it's basically like he wore her down. And here you go, Be, you know, because it's on the heels of they, you know, they they go on that audition yeah, and he's yeah. being very petulant because she says that, yes, she would do nudity in a film. And suddenly he's, you know, very curl, pearl clutchy about that. Yeah. And, well, he's like, you know, if you, you know, he won't show it to me, but you'll show it to like people who watch. Your, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, a lot of not going to be in a movie that show that gets seen by everybody. <laughs> like, I think she, yeah. <laughs> most likely she'll be in like a very small, like, you know, movie, but yeah, I totally, I totally agree. Um, and I think it's a really, it's, like, I hate to be the guy that's always like, oh, the media literacy is so dead these days. But it's like, I mean, I've so, you know, I've read so many like threads and articles about like how this movie is so um, like immoral or whatever, and I just like, I don't, I don't see it. I think everything within the context like makes sense and is kind no. of skirting that line, but doesn't really cross it. I I agree, but I also think that like as a culture, we need to be careful because it's real easy. For filmmakers to construct these narratives, yeah. where where like oh, but in this situation it's okay. And, yeah, yeah, sure. sure. You know, are, so totally are you fair. romanticizing these kind yeah, of things? Yeah. So it's like as a one-off, okay. But if you start to see a bunch of it, that's a larger problem. Yeah. There's a show I think it was on FX. It's on Hulu called um, A Teacher. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you. I don't. I haven't seen. It. I've heard of it though. Or yeah. since you like to be fancy, a teacher. <laughs> um, but uh, and. It's really good, and it's about a, a teacher having an affair with a student, and mm-hmm. and it's really good, and and uh, and I, I I think about that show in relation to this movie, and the nature of the two relationships is night and day different, mm-hmm. you know, and because I know people you know are alluding to the fact that she was like you know quote unquote grooming him, and I like. She wasn't, you know, like, you know, she, and, and when you, when you watch a teacher, you see that like she was, even though the kid was, was into it, like she was grooming him. Yeah. And, and, uh, and I, like, I don't want to ruin the show for you Mm -hmm. if you, if you're going to watch it. I probably, I'll check it out. It sounds really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. The way they handled it, I thought was really good. Cause like, I mean, it kind of starts out where like 
where you're kind of rooting for him, right? And then mm-hmm. it pulls the rug out from under you where it's like, what are you thinking? Yeah. Why would you have ever rooted for these two? Like, yeah. you know, like, so it's, it's kind of a cool head fake the way that they, they do it. And, um, but, but yeah, like this is, and this is very different. Also, she doesn't have a position of power over him the way a teacher does over a student. Yeah. Yeah. I think if anything, like, I mean, I was thinking like, he also like has, um, I want to say he's like power over her, but he definitely can like, you know, he could, you know, if, if she rejected him and he wasn't a bad mood, he could like hurt her, you know, like there's that's always good- that, that's always that possibility there. And I think that like that he, and um, one thing I find really interesting about this movie after having seen it twice is like, thinking about all like the guys that Gary kind of associates with, like the racist restaurant guy or, um, you know, like John Peter, I mean, John Peters and all that, like there's always this chance that he could turn into one of those guys because like he's influenced by them. That's, and he's like, this is, he's going to be in his twenties, you know, in the 1980s during the Reagan era. Right. So like, and this is what success looks like. Yeah, This is the success that's modeled. John Peters is successful. Yeah. The guy that owns the Mikado is, is weird and reprehensible as he is. Like he's successful. And so, yeah, he could very easily, take that turn and and be a business owner reagan supporter kind of a kind of a character yeah absolutely yeah I, I want to talk a little bit about um just about like the characters like not and so, not so much like the age thing but just like you know I, I found alana to be a really interesting character and in some ways i i went into this movie thinking that it would be like about you know like it'd be kind of like about gary and sort of like his life but it really became like her movie and like um, her, it's like almost like a coming of age story about her and her trying to become like an adult. Do you have any like thoughts about that? Or how yeah, I mean, she's very much adrift, right? Yeah. Like she doesn't know what she wants to be, and she clearly comes from a very close knit family. Um, but presumably, she doesn't want to to do that. Like the dad's a successful real estate guy. Like we hear that the sister works there, mm-hmm. so like if she wanted to go work. For, for her dad, she could do that, and she she doesn't. She's making a deliberate choice to not go down that road. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, which is funny, which I totally relate to because my parents both owned businesses, um, and I didn't want to do it. And I mean, at one point, my dad tried to just give me his business. He's like, "Come on board, and you can take it over, and I'll retire." And I'm just like, "I don't want to do that, though." Like, and and so I. I do get that. But yeah, she's very much adrift. She she wants more, but she doesn't know what that more is or how to get it. And which is, I think, part of what is so alluring about Gary for her is that he's he he absolutely knows what he wants and how how to get it, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's it's he's such a hustler, and like I love in the the scene. Like, you know, people say him that. And I guess it depends on your definition of hustler. So my, this might be a generational thing. <laughs> yeah. it's like when I was from my world, hustler is like kind of somebody that's scamming people. So like, but he's not. He, you yeah. know, he, if he sells you a waterbed, you're gonna get a waterbed. He's gonna open a pinball place. Like he, like he's not. He's he's not fly by night. Like he might move from one project to another, but like. He owns this PR company, and and he and he has major clients, and you know, so it's like he's taken his money from from acting, and has invested it wisely. And it it I really my impression was he ran these companies, and his mother basically worked for him. And yeah, he, she was kind of the shell because there had to be a grown up to sign the contracts. Right, but right. he was really the the mind behind it. Yeah, yeah. No, I think, I mean, I, yeah, I agree with that definition of hustler. I don't think he fits that definition. I think for for me, I was thinking of hustler as someone that just, like, has a lot of ideas and, like, knows how to execute them. And, like, is sure. always, like, always on the like on the lookout for, like, a new opportunity. And he, like, he, I, I love that he kind of always has his ears open and he's like, you know, okay, pinballs are about to become legal, so I'm going to start a pinball business. Or, right. like, waterbeds are the new thing, so I'm going to do that. And it's just, like... You know, it's like he sees it, he wants it, he gets it. And that's like, I think it's kind of cool. And I think it's interesting how, like, Alana is the one thing he really can't get, you know? Totally, like, yeah. He, he's you can tell he's, Yeah, he's used to getting what he wants. I mean, he's yeah. a little entitled in that regard. Yeah. And especially as you find out later that he's been, you know, talking lots of girls and the handjobs. And, <laughs> and again, adult girls, right? Yeah. Like, not girls, women. And, and, uh, um, and, 
you know, when when Alana has that conversation with uh, the the waitress, is her name Frisbee? Yeah. Um, uh, and Frisbee's like, oh, cool. Like, you can take that over now. Yeah. And, you know, and so I'm just kind of like, well, what's what's the nature of that relationship to where she likes the kid and she doesn't mind doing it, but she's also ready to be done with it. Like, I'm, you know, like I, I can't quite wrap it's, my head it's around. It's almost like he's some like annoying puppy dog that yeah. like, you know, just wants attention and is kind of cute for a bit, but then you're like, okay, it's time to like yeah. send you off to someone else. I mean, he's a lot. Yeah. You know, as the kids would say, he's extra. He's very you know, extra. Like, <laughs> he's very extra. And so, I, I mean, I, I get that. But I think it's also, uh, you know, because I, I, I read some people theorizing that, like, oh, he's just a sleazeball. And as soon as he gets Alana, he's not going to want her anymore, right? Yeah. And I I tend to land in the camp that that's not true um, because we, we learn, like, he has a reputation for talking – girls into giving them hand jobs right yeah. like she's called you know he's got a nickname because of it with and and uh he never asked alana to do that he never goes there with her which makes me think that you know that he has a different thought process or or plan yeah yeah i know? i completely agree i think that he's actually like you know in love with her or wants to like I think his fascination with her is beyond just like a sexual attraction I think there's just something that just like clicks for him with her and like you know I, when she, when he first sees her it just starts immediately he's like already trying to be so like charming and he's like really like showing off and saying he's a song and dance man which I think is a really funny line coming from a 15 yeah. year old well, especially because it's like if you think about it, he's in these movies, right? Like, yeah. And so he's in this movie with their version of what I'm assuming is Lucille Ball. Yeah. And he's yeah. in their version of what I'm assuming is Yours, Mine, and Ours because I think that's the song they actually sing is Yours, Mine, yeah. and Ours. Yeah. And um, but like, it's this it's like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's this weird point in Hollywood's history where kind of like the the classic people are still around, but they're on the wane. Yeah, and there's still a lot of work for them, but it's not the work we remember them for, right? And yeah. so, um, so because of that, like that's the world he's living in, right? Like he's interacting with the Lucille Balls and you know, and the Jack Holdens, who's clearly supposed to be William Holden, right? Right. And and so, so that's his version of what an adult looks like is actually one generation removed from what it should be, you know, because he's, he's looking at these people who are in their six and seventies, Yeah, you know, and, and their version of old world adult, like, you know, pre mad men ups with suits and hats and, and, uh, in, in a way that adults aren't, aren't operating like that anymore. Right. Like he's going to those, like, um, like, like the restaurant he goes to, which is full of people who are like, 30 years older or like even for 50 yeah. years older and he's like um yeah trying to be like yeah that kind of like old star and she's very much like you know in that um i don't know who's like a 70s kind of ingenue type like she's like kind of that and so it's it's interesting yeah, to like think about their, yeah yeah exactly that, yeah. right so it's interesting because like Again, like going back to the age thing, like in some ways he's so much older than she is, like personality wise, because he's with the Lucia Balls and the Jack Holden types. Right. Whereas, like, she's like almost like a kid just trying to figure it out. And even like whenever she tries to interact with these real adults, like the politician or Jack Holden, it just like blows up in her face. And even when she tries to date someone close to her age, he kind of like embarrasses her too, like the um, the other right. actor she dates. So it's a. It's like they're both in this like sort of like limbo in their ages and you know how they relate to the world. Yeah, absolutely. I love the line when she's at dinner with with Jack Holden where she's where he's like going on some weird monologue and she's like, "Are these lines? Is this real? <laughs> yeah. I don't know what we're doing here, <laughs> you know." Yeah. And it's uh she has some great lines or when she's running down the street after the teenage bear and she's like, "Fuck you teenagers." <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that she calls the teenagers teenagers. Yeah, you know, like yeah. They just crack me up. But, um, uh, but yeah, like she, it, it kind of goes back to she's very much adrift. In a lot of ways, she's she's the younger of the two, yeah. which I think kind of like throws her off balance. Yeah, 
he knows that on paper she's supposed to be the the one with the, the power. Adult. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, I mean, I want to talk about the Jack Holden sequence with um, Sean Penn and Tom Waits because I think that's such a fascinating scene. And like, when I first saw the movie, I really did not understand what I was supposed to be getting from it. Mm-hmm. And because um, I, I felt like it was going in one way and it completely gets like derailed. It goes because I'm thinking that like maybe she'll start like a, a affair with him or she'll get some role or he'll like really like sexually harass her or something. Like, I thought something else would happen and not this like you know, introduction of the other character and then the whole stunt thing. And But seeing it again, I mean, like, just how, like, she looks so, like, pathetic. And I mean that in, like, a really endearing way because she's yeah. trying to get his attention and he's completely ignoring her. He calls her by the character name. Not even, he doesn't even know her real name. And she's trying to seduce him and he's just not... It's just, like, completely the night gets away from her. And I found that to be so sad and so but funny you know it's kind of this like weird thing where like i feel bad for her and also like laugh like i feel like she might tell this story maybe laughing a little late later i hope so but yeah i think she would story yeah i think when she's 40 she'll be like get a load of this yeah but in the moment it's not funny we all have stories like that yeah yeah they're awful at the time (laughs) but you're looking back on it you can find the humor in it but um but yeah, she's definitely like she keeps kind of like trying on adulthood yeah. in a way, like our different versions of adulthood. And so she's like, oh, maybe I'll get this part and maybe I'll be the next Grace Kelly. And, maybe, yeah. you know, maybe there's something for me here with Jack Holden. And but yeah, but it's it you can, you know, she's still doing her version of what. She's pretending to be a, a grown-up, right? Like, she's trying to be sexy. I mean, she flat-out asks him at one point, but I'm sexy, right? And he doesn't even hear her. <laughs> yeah, like, he's so lost in his own stardom. Or yeah, yeah. Because um, it's certainly the the waning, you know, the, the a waning period. I guess William Holden had a little bit of a revival after this, right? Because he yeah. was at work, right? And, uh, um, but, uh, uh, but, yeah, but she's definitely, you know, like, She's just trying to figure out a version of adulthood to latch on to. I mean, I, I think it's interesting. I mean, actually, I wanted to talk to, also to kind of touch upon, like, how, um, you know, Jack Holden is being kind of an analog of William Holden and uh, the Lucille Ball type character. But then, like, John Peters is, play, is, like, the character is named that. And I just think it's interesting when, like, um, movies kind of do this, like, thing. I mean, I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood does a similar thing where it's, like, you know, some characters are be are like the real person, but also some characters are like analogs. I think it's kind of an interesting thing to do, and also something about I, I I can't quite wrap my head around like, you know, why not just call him William Holden and make it maybe it's like a like a life story rights thing. Uh, I'm not sure, but if you have any thoughts, yeah, I don't about, know. Like, I, w- I was wondering that as well because like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood does that obviously. Yeah. Um, but like the characters that they fictionalized are more are like the bigger names in the movie. So I get like they, you know, they, they want to have some, some distance so they can tell their own story and not be locked into like your, your preconceived notions. Yeah. This guy kind of like this, but not really. Um, and in, and in this one, like, I don't know. Cause like, I get what you're saying about life story rights, but like, look what they did to Bruce Lee and once upon a time in Hollywood. Right. Right. And, and like, they didn't get there. I mean, as much as his daughter didn't lock, like it there were no lawsuits there was no money nobody had to write a check like so i don't i'm not really sure what the logic is there and i know that um they did talk to john peters about it because um i i saw an article where paul thomas anderson said that john peters was like you can absolutely use me but you have to include my favorite pickup line that was his only like stipulation yeah and that the thing he says uh, where he's like, "Hey, do you like peanut butter sandwiches?" Like, that's his favorite pickup line. Is he would ask women if they wanted a peanut butter sandwich. Yeah, um, which is a great like. At the it, before I knew that, having seen the movie, it just felt like this great throwaway non sequitur, and find yeah. out that, that 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 was actually a real thing that worked for him. Man, it was easy to get laid in the seventies. <laughs> <laughs> I when, know. When do you like peanut butter sandwiches? Would work like. Oh, crazy times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, because I mean, I also think about like Jack Holden. Everyone knows that it's William Holden, so they're trying to hide something or trying to like go around something. It's like, well, we all know. It's. I mean, I guess it's it's just interesting to me. I guess. Um, and I, mean, I guess maybe ultimately it's a way to not besmirch their reputation. Yeah. To where yeah. it's like we're trying to like use this as a toy, 
we're not actually trying to make a statement about this specific guy because right. I think it even references the movie they references where it was like what is it like the bridges of Toko yeah, or yeah, whatever yeah like it's there's a he's got a movie with a with a very similar title mm-hmm. and right the the movie that they're running lines from with the I'm from Intercourse Pennsylvania is actually from a William Holden movie called Breezy. Okay. So um so like I I you know that that's the only thing I can think is they're they're trying to make more a comment about you know like I said I, almost like they're trying to use them like action figures. You know? Yeah, like, yeah. Like, it's like I guess it's like less about these people specifically more about just like the state of Hollywood at the time, the state yeah, of the LA. Art Yeah, yeah. Well, bringing up John Peters, I mean, that's got to be one of the most famous parts of the movie. I think that's the one that most people have been talking about. Um, at least like Bradley Cooper's sort of like live wire. I mean, you guys just reviewed Nightmare Alley and uh, you guys are really impressed by Bradley Cooper in the movie. I agree. I think he's great in that movie. I think he's really good in this movie too. Like he's kind of been doing like a double hair here. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they probably only had him for like a day. Yeah. You know, but he's, he's great. And I don't honestly, I mean, I I know John Peters is, I've read a lot about John Peters. I don't know that I've ever actually seen an interview with John Peters. So I have no idea if he actually looks or acts like John Peters. Yeah. Um, but the scene is great. He's great. Um, I also was, when he grew the, the beard, and the shaggy hair, like he to me, he really reminded me of Justin Bateman. Mm-hmm. Like when I first saw the trailer, I was like, "Is that is that Justin Bateman?" Yeah, like yeah. That? And then I was like, "Oh no, Bradley Cooper." But um, uh, but yeah, that I mean, that's the scene everybody's waiting for, especially because it's in the trailer. It's in the trailer, the yeah. So everybody's waiting for the big movie star to show up. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just you know, I I think it's really. I've, I don't know that much about John Peters, but if this movie's accurate, it feels like he would take that scene as a compliment, <laughs> you know? I, like, I he'd be like, I, like, he comes off really badass in that scene, I guess. I mean, he's he's a character, and there's a, there's, yeah. a, there's a great book, and I think they made a documentary about it called The Kid Stays in the Picture, which oh, is all... Oh, yeah, yeah. And totally worth your time. Like, it's full of so many great Hollywood stories from that era. And, it, you know, like, if you like this movie, if you like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood... The yeah, kids yeah. Say, I definitely want to watch that, then, for sure. Yeah, you would love it. There's also that movie, that Shampoo, with, um, I think it's Warren Beatty? Warren Beatty, Who plays, like, yeah. a version of John Peters, too. It's just, well, like... Yeah. He's a really interesting character. I mean, I've, I've heard podcasts about him, like, this kind of a biography. He's a really fascinating character, and his inclusion in this movie... Because I, I think Gary's also based off a real person. Yeah, a producer named, like, Gary Kortzman or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, And he's a child actor, and then he's been a producer on a bunch of different things over yeah. the years. Yeah. I think, like, it's interesting, like, you know... I learned about all this history after I saw the movie and it made me appreciate it more. But I think even just like watching this movie without knowing any of this, it's still like really entertaining and, and, and fun to watch. Um, are there any other like standout like scenes for you that really um, like made you laugh or kind of made you feel something? Um, I, you know, I think we should probably t- t- talk about the, the Mikado scene. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, scenes. There's two of them. Um, I'm not really sure what to make of that because I, you know, I really, I honestly don't believe that Paul Thomas Anderson was doing something as simple as like teehee Asians talk funny. Yeah. I don't mean, but, but I also don't disagree that I don't think it landed quite like he intended. Yeah. Um, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm trying to unpack that in my head. It's like why that didn't work. Because I, I will say, like, when I saw it, and I will also say, like, I'm a white dude. So yeah. it's, it's it's a lot easier for me to go, oh, okay, yeah, that he didn't really mean it like that, and then move on with my day. Um, but uh, so, so, I mean, I do recognize that. But, like, when I when I saw it, my first take was, like, well, this guy's a buffoon. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I wasn't – I didn't take it as, like, like it's, it's funny that he's doing it. It was almost like an episode of The Office. Like, it's funny – in a cringe right, yeah. kind of way. And like clearly him and his mother were put off by it because they're shooting each other looks, but they still kind of have to walk a line because he's a client. And, yeah. and so like I do, I, but so with the, on the one hand I go, well, what do you, what, what would you want from the characters in that scene? If, if Gary had stood up and given some monologue about how this is wrong, like 
that's very much not of the period. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, and and uh, but at the same time, like ultimately, like I don't really know what it adds to the movie itself. Like if those two scenes weren't there, like the movie still works. Like yeah, you know, I totally agree. You, know? you could easily cut them out, and I'm like, I agree. Like I think conceptually, I can understand. I think I can kind of understand what's happening. Like you're right. Like it's, it's a buffoon. It's someone that like no one really respects. Like obviously the two women in the scene, like the his like Japanese wives, like they're very put off, and clearly they get divorced. The first wife does. Right. So clearly, you know, he's someone that's kind of like. Um, getting rejected many times. I imagine his second wife would also leave him. Um, and I also think that it's, again, an- another example of, like, adult men just being completely morally inept and more, like, just kind of either using people or being racist or having some kind of, like, lacking moral code or something. So I I, I think that's what it's going for. I you know, I'm I'm South Asian. I'm not East Asian. I'm not Japanese. So you know, I don't want to also speak for anyone. For me, I think it's like more of like a like like a bad like a, a bad bit that just didn't take off. You know, that just didn't land the way it was meant to be. But again, if someone gets like you know really offended by it, I you know I, I think that's valid, and I, I think I would be yeah. too if I were of that demographic. And I wonder I, if there's more. That's not in the movie. Possibly, you know I mean? yeah. Because like when you watch the trailer, that you see things that aren't in the movie. Yeah. Which isn't uncommon, but like, but it makes me wonder if like maybe there's another scene where that's got a payoff, and he yeah. just, yeah, and he just felt it was slowing down the third act or something. I, I, I don't know. I, I agree. I'm not trying to make yeah. excuses for him. I just, I'm honestly wondering, like, was there a bigger payoff? Because it's just so random. Like they, yeah. you know, I mean, because. Again, it's the kind of thing where, like, I had heard so much about, like, oh, this, like, this, this movie is, like, racist against Asians. So I'm, like, expecting some, like, really awful kind of, like, subplot. But it's just, like, two scenes that really don't really, like... And both times I saw the movie with an audience, and no one laughed. I think the second time, there was, like, an awkward pin-job silence. Like, everyone was like, what is this? It's the yeah. only part of the movie that I think I would really say is something that doesn't quite work. For a movie that I find to be, of like, 99%, you know, amazing. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I um, uh, I know that uh, he's said in interviews that his mother-in-law is Asian, and he's he's watched people do this to her, uh, mm. like like talk to her in in like um in um you know what they like think a Mickey is Rooney Asian. accent. Yeah, yeah, like thinking that somehow that makes it easier for her to understand them. <laughs> and I don't, I'm not, I don't know, uh, I don't. All I know about his mother-in-law is what he said in that. Yeah. Sentence. Yeah. I don't even know like she might speak fluent English for all I know. I have no clue. Yeah. Um and I'm assuming that would be Maya Rudolph's stepmother then, right? Yeah, I um, guess so. Her her mother you know passed away when she was really young. Mm-hmm. Um uh she was the singer uh Mimi Ripperton, Mimi Ripperton. Um okay. uh she had a really big hit around this time period uh called Loving You, I think. She's saying like crazy high oh wow. crazy high and um uh if you saw her you'd be like that's absolutely maya rudolph's mother like, oh, <laughs> like, <really? laughs> like and, uh um but uh so yeah i don't i don't know i i guess you know maybe he's trying to make some sort of statement about that which which is where i land on like maybe there's a third scene that just yeah slows down that third act and he just and he just never circled back around to it I, yeah yeah I, I i agree with you i mean i don't want to make excuses for him but it just does it seems like it's some kind of like commentary or something that just doesn't quite land you know i don't i mean i don't want to speak for anyone but i think calling him like an outright racist seems like a little bit much to me because I, I feel like there's something there's something there that just isn't isn't working that's kind of where i landed but yeah. i i I try to tread lightly because yeah, I, yeah, exactly. It's really easy for me as a fifty-one-year-old white guy to yeah. be like, "Oh, give us a break." Yeah. And, and it's like, and you know, in so many ways, like we don't deserve one. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you're not wrong. No, no, that's uh, yeah. No, I appreciate that. Um, so, well, speaking of my Rudolph, uh, one of my favorite scenes is that really awful audition that Gary has with the right. you know the reversible suit, and he's just like can't do it fast enough. He's plumbing his lines, and she's giving some really great looks. That's it's a really funny. I think I think this movie is really funny. 
I, um, I think there's so movie, many really great moments in the the great moments what i like about it my wife didn't like this ass she did not care for this movie she mm. felt like it like it needed a, a stronger narrative and sure. i was just like i was fine with it but yeah but it's it tells you a lot of things without telling you a lot of things right and so my takeaway from that scene was that i mean he's outgrown being a child actor yeah yeah like you know, in that he can't, he's not like there was a period of time when he was cute and that that has come to a close. And I, I think that's what you see, like with the with the the scene from the, the movie um, or the the scene about the movie on the on the talk show. Right? Yeah, yeah. Is that I think when he filmed that movie. He was probably a foot shorter. Right. By the time he came out, you know, he yeah. was no longer a foot shorter. And and uh and so he's going on these auditions and when you see him in the waiting room, like he's like a foot taller than everybody in that yeah, room. Yeah, yeah. You know? And so and so then they like try to pivot for him and they're like, Oh, here, read this pimple cream stuff. Yeah. And so it's it's kind of a, a you know a nice signal of like hey the acting's not going to be a thing for you long term right. and so you need to you need to figure out other ways which he's already done right because he's already got his PR company and he's got you know at least two clients in LA and one in Vegas like that's nothing to sneeze at yeah yeah the funny thing about that talk show is that like I can't imagine taking a girl I like to see me in some like childish like talk show thing where I'm wearing like pajamas and with a bunch of kids like I was like that's so not attractive but I mean you know I think to him though it is right yeah, like, he's yeah. like I, this is what I do like I right. told you I was a professional actor yeah yeah no, no, thought totally. I was full of it and yeah. so now here I am on on a on a national TV show, and also keep in mind, um, and, and this is how like how old are you? If you don't mind my asking, uh, thirty two, thirty two. Okay, so twenty years older, and so you also got to remember being on TV, like right, like that was a big damn deal. Right. I mean, right. when I when I was growing up, God, I feel I like I feel so weird to say that non ironically, but like when I was growing up in the seventies, like you had you. A lot of markets, they had four, maybe five stations, right? Mm-hmm. Like you had your your three network affiliates, ABC, CBS, NBC, and then you had one independent channel, and then you had maybe a second independent channel, which was on UHF, which was a band that was like really hard to get, and so mm-hmm. it would – fade in and out real bad and maybe it wouldn't work certain hours of the day and it always had the the, the lousiest picture of any of the, the the channels you would watch and so um and and obviously at this point in time like you don't have the internet you do, you know you you don't so you don't have anything like that so if you were on tv like that was huge yeah and, yeah you know i mean you you just can't, you know the the least popular show on television would today be considered a juggernaut in terms of raw numbers of people watching it. Like, you know, like, you know, there it was nothing for a show, you know, a a network primetime show to get 50, 60 million people watching it every week. And nowadays, like that's the Super Bowl, right? And that's it, you know? Yeah. So, so, you know, he's, while it seems kind of odd and it certainly puts him in, in a somewhat diminished capacity, it's also he's showing off, right? Like, yeah, yeah. He gets a plane ticket and she, she gets paid to tag along and then he's on this big, huge TV show and yeah, he's hanging yeah. out with this big, huge movie star because you figure if this is essentially Lucille Ball, she's only, what, 73? She's only like 10 years removed from the end of I Love Lucy. Yeah, And she yeah. still would have had... Uh, two hit she would have had here's lucy and then the lucy show on in the interim so she still is on a big hit tv show plus making movies so like he's showing off even though it seems kind of weird that he's playing this kid but he's yeah. like well, that's the job <laughs> right this is the world I this is the world yeah yeah totally yeah. makes sense and she's actually very impressed by it you know? she is very and and uh, although she's more impressed by the other actor, yeah, and, and I guess he must have had a bigger role in the movie because he's in first class, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, and like, oh, he's so smarmy when he walks back to say hi, and he's like, he's like, oh, they get steak back here too. That's good. <laughs> like, oh, like, yeah, he's he's a great character. The scene with him at the sh- uh, the Shabbat dinner is so funny. Yeah, uh, with her and, family. Oh, 
Alana Haim says that that's a real story, that that happened to her. Oh, really? <laughs> and that he told that to Paul Thomas Anderson, and then she's reading the script, and she's just like, oh, that's <laughs> the movie now. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's so, that's so funny. Um, yeah, I, another moment I loved is, of course, the scene with Harriet Harris as the agent. You know, really good kind of one-scene performance there. Yeah. Um, I know her best as uh, the uh, BB on Frasier. I love Frasier, my, one of my favorite okay. shows. So she plays kind of a similar like talent agent in that sh- in that show as well. So, gotcha. I yeah, I never I've seen episodes of Frasier, but yeah. I didn't really like follow it beginning to end like I did Cheers. Yeah, and yeah. I know I recognize her from stuff, but I I don't know. Yeah, she's al- she's also in um she's in Phantom Thread. She's in Memento. Like she's kind of just like you know she pops up. She always does a great job every time she's there. Yeah. I also want to talk to you about the um, the ending because I really love the ending, um, especially you know with the two of them running towards each other and it cuts back to other times they were running like when she's running after him when he gets arrested, which is another really great scene, and or when he's running to get her when she falls off the motorcycle and yeah and they kind of bump into each other, which is very funny with live and let die above them. For some reason, I found that to be really funny and kind of like why I found this movie to be so, like, romantic is that it's a really, like, romantic ending in this kind of, like, weird way, because it's not really a romance I'm, like, rooting for, but, like, in that moment, I'm kind of, like, they both get so disappointed in that that night by other things that, like, they kind of should be together, at least for tonight, because, like, they make each other feel better. Yeah, it's, like you said, it's a, it, you feel bad rooting for the relationship. Yeah. I keep, especially on a second watch, I keep finding myself trying to figure out like, how long has it been? Is he old enough that I don't have to feel bad? Yeah, yeah right. right. And, uh, um, and, and it is confusing. Like if he had just, if Paul Thomas Anderson just made the character like a year older, he would time out to be like 17, almost 18 by the, by that final scene yeah. to where you'd be like, okay, well, you know, you maybe I don't have to feel quite you know quite as squicky about all this. Yeah. You know? Um. So I I'm not really entirely sure why that choice of fifteen. Um. But uh. But yeah, it, it is hard not to get caught up in that final scene, I, especially because like I thought we were heading towards like a taxi driver moment with that guy lurking around. Oh the, yeah, yeah. The political office headquarters. Like I I thought that's where we were going until we get the storyline about him you know the the politician being gay and you know i'm assuming that that's either a journalist or someone from the other campaigns staff that trying to it, yeah i thought it was like a like a spy from like a opposing yeah. party or something yeah like i thought it was going to be like a travis bickle thing where, yeah because this is also the era of you know this is not you know you're not too far away from like when harvey milk gets assassinated right. and so um so like that wouldn't have been a crazy notion i just i was glad it didn't because i'm like you don't need to tack on some sort of weird dark ending just to have one because i honestly thought they where we were headed it was they were luring gary to the to the office like the filmmakers were yeah the office so this guy he could get caught in the crossfire oh wow yeah like that's too dark of a that's really dark yeah for the rest of this film so i was glad that they did not do that but um uh, but yeah, like it's a sweet ending. I think the last line of the movie is a little on the nose with just the, I love you, Gary. Yeah. Like, I, I, I think, um, I like, I think we might've been better off without that last line just because I, I, you know, like it also would have left where those two were headed a little bit more vague. So, it, you know, yeah, yeah. that are, are upset about the nature of the relationship could, it would leave a little ambiguity. I feel like, I mean, for me, I thought that it was a little, it still is a little ambiguous because like, I, maybe I'm remembering this wrong, but I feel like she's not saying it to him. I feel like she's kind of like off to the side in front of her and she's like kind of like almost saying it to herself. It sees them, you see them running. Yeah. And it, the way I remember it, and I saw it last night, okay. is that, uh, I, I mean, again, because I had seen it at a press screening, so it had been like a month since I'd seen okay, the movie, so yeah. I'm like, I didn't see this again if we're yeah, yeah. Like, um, But it's actually like a dubbed piece of dialogue over them running. Like, it's yeah. not her, you don't see her saying. Interesting, yeah. And so, um, uh, it's almost like maybe they thought later, like, oh, we need a, 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 to put a button on this, Perhaps. and so they just had to yeah. come back and record it or something. But, um, uh, b- 
but yeah, so I, I, I just felt like that was a little on the nose sure, for me. Sure, sure. Yeah. I, I, I think I liked it because, like, I, to me, I just, um, after this, like, sort of night where she's, like, again, like, thinks that, like, this really adult, really, like, driven, you know, politically minded, uh, you know, altruistic politician who, like, has a thing for her. And she just gets humiliated again by at another dinner where no one's paying attention to her. Yeah. And, um, that, like, she goes and, you know, Gary just represents this someone that will always pay attention to her, always be kind of fascinated by her. And so it's like, I don't know if she's in love with him, but I think she might love him just because, like, she's com- he's she gets comforted by him. And that, like, he'll kind of always be, like, hanging around her. Or maybe not always, but at least in this moment, you know. His affection seems genuine. Yeah, I agree. You yeah. know, yeah. And especially since you know, since they're not having sex, they haven't kissed. Um, yeah. Well, I guess by the time you get that, you do get the kiss. Yeah, they have that little kiss yeah. once, right? Right. Um, uh, but that, like, he's it. It's not just him trying to get into her pants, even though he very much wants to. Like, he's he's been around all this time. I also can't help but notice that, like, she really kind of makes the flip when he gets mad at her, mm-hmm. right? He gets mad at her for the first time about over the pinball thing. And takes the car and, and drives off. Yeah. And, and you know, I I almost feel like maybe that's supposed to be like he's an adult now, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's like he's like no, like you're you're not gonna talk to me like this. I don't need you. I can drive a car myself. Yeah. Like you know, like at that point they kind of become equals in a way that they weren't previously. Yeah. It's also me fishing for a reason not to feel bad. No, no, I, no I, I think you're onto something, and I think definitely, like, that's when she first kind of notices that, like, maybe she can't, maybe he won't actually be this, like, hangdog around her all the time, because he's, yeah. like, grinning independent, like, he's flirting with another girl, like, that's when she also gets, like, really jealous, is that, yeah. like, you know, she's in this, like, really pathetic, like, bikini, whatever, you know, dancing around, and he's with some other girl that's actually age-appropriate, and she feels like, again, it's like, she... She gets like it's like um, she feels like humiliated and just uh, is really just and she's as you were saying earlier she's so adrift she's so lost yeah. and she's just trying to get yeah and she's any kind she's of putting anger. it all out there yeah she's putting it all out there on display and he's yeah. just like oh, okay like yeah. you've said this isn't going to be a thing I'm going to go talk to this girl that yeah. can be a thing yeah exactly yeah really really fat I think their dynamic is so much fat is their dynamic is so fascinating to me and I think that like I could spend you know four hours talking about it because I think yeah. it's such a well-written movie or like their their relationship is so well written that like any interpretation I feel like can feels valid to me you know um, yeah. and I think that's why this has been so why there's been so much conversation around this movie is because like it really isn't like handed to you on a platter. It's really something you have to like think about, and there's so many nuances and so many shades to it. Absolutely, and yeah. you know, even if you don't like the nature of the relationship, you know, I mean, I definitely think the movie ultimately wants you to root for them, but like, mm-hmm. it ends in a way that like maybe they don't, you know, yeah. like. I mean, it definitely ends on a more upbeat note. Like, it doesn't end as is kind of maudlin as like the graduate, right? Yeah, there. yeah. You know, she's just on the bus with that thousand yard stare. Like, now what? You know. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, I feel it, like I it ends right before the gra- like their graduate moment. You right. know, <laughs> like if totally, it was like five yeah. seconds longer, we'd have that thousand yard stare. Yeah, we very well might. Whereas, like, you know, if if all of a sudden she's, you know, she kissed him once and it seems great, but all of a sudden she's like, "Well, I am making out with a sixteen-year-old yeah. now. What? Yeah. Like, maybe, you know, you know, it's it's hard to say the, with the way, at, you know, with where they they choose to stop the story. But obviously, I, I think, you know, that's writing their script for them. I definitely think that they want us to walk out of that movie thinking happy ending. Like, I mean, you know. that, that, that's how I, I felt for it. Honestly, I yeah. walked out being like, man, that movie's like so swoony. It's like the sun kiss cinematography, the like <laughs> kind of like the, the smoothness of the 1970s, just like, and just the way that it kind of floats from like vignette to vignette, episode to episode, yeah. like, um, someone was telling a friend of mine was saying how they found the movie kind of boring at times, and I'm like, this movie's kind. It's kind of like where it's kind of okay to like check out, and you'll check back in. At it's a hangout point. movie. Yeah, exactly. Hanging Just, out with these people. Yeah, yeah. Like, these are interesting characters. They're funny. They're cool to be around. They have, they have a lot of opinions. You know, they're. It's like dazed and confused in that exactly. regard. Yeah, yeah. Like, that, it's that like that you're hanging out. Or yeah. fun time in Hollywood as well. Yeah. You know. 
You know, uh-huh. you know, another one that I keep thinking about is Almost Famous, right? Where, yeah, I mean, yeah. There you got a 15 year old, totally hot for a, an older chick. Yeah, yeah. You know, she's leading them on way more than Alan is leading on Gary. Mm-hmm. And you know, like, and we all we all get eyed over that one. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I don't know why sometimes society says. Yes, and sometimes it says no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you never know. Um, any any final thoughts on the film? Anything you wanted to bring up, or any you know lasting impressions? Um, I think ultimately for me, it's just the way it captured the feel of, of the time period. Like that, mm-hmm. just it. You know, like I said, gr- having grown up on the tail end of that, um, that is exactly what it what it looked like. I mean, they really really nailed that. Um, yeah. I, I, I really enjoy that aspect of it. All, and also, like, going back when we're talking about, like, the importance of TV, you also see the importance of radio in a way that it no longer has, where, like, one conversation about waterbeds jumpstarts their business. And, like, yeah. that's not just a plot device. That would have done that back mm-hmm. in the day. You know, the, the right jock on the right station at the right time talking about your product would absolutely make you, quote, unquote, go viral in your market like that's that was the the impact of radio back in the day so i do have a question for you um is licorice pizza an actual term that people used you know in the 70s and 80s i never heard it it sounds so silly to say to people it's a chain of record stores okay in, in southern california um and from what i understand it's like kind of like then hipster slang for records, right? Okay. Records yeah. were LPs. Yeah, yeah. Licorice is black, but pizza, which is round and flat. And so um, so I think that's what they were going for. I, I do not know why he called the movie that. I know it was originally called Soggy Bottom, uh, the name of the the first name of the waterbed company. Yeah. Um, but uh, but I, I don't know why he called I. I don't know other than, you know, other than just, you know, you know, that's the other thing. I, I think most major markets had a record store chain that mm-hmm. uh, that was of that era, you know, and like when I remember in the 70s in St. In St. Louis, it was it was Peaches. Um, and I think they're a chain. They were in several other cities, but Peaches was that was the record store, man. And that's where, you know, Sticks would do an in-store. Alice Cooper would do an in-store. All these yeah. artists nowadays, you know, would never do, you know, Rush, stuff like that. Um, Van Halen did an in-store at, at Peaches. And so I, I think that was just like the cool, cool kids record store. Yeah, I just like um, when I saw this movie, I was explaining to a friend who like doesn't follow movies. I'm like, yeah, I'm seeing we call licorice pizza. It felt so like silly <laughs> to say. I was like, I don't even know what it means. Um, but yeah, very intriguing title. I guess similar to Phantom Thread, where it's just like I don't know what this title means until you know, it's just like a bunch of words that don't really shouldn't really you know fit together. Totally, yeah. <laughs> I uh, yeah. Beyond that, just I think it just is evocative of the period the for period, him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think in a lot of ways, this is a movie he just made for him. Yeah. yeah. Like he wanted to recap cause we're the same age. Uh, he's 51 also, I believe. And yeah. so I, he just wanted to recapture his childhood, uh, you know? Yeah. And he'd have been and for this period. He'd have been three and four years old, but I, you know, but again, tail end of it. And I think he just, this is probably, I don't know if he has siblings. Maybe that you know just kind of reminds him of his. Of an yeah, he like grew up with these kind of like stories as like yeah. urban legends. Totally. Yeah, yeah, that's my guess. Well, thanks so much, Tom. It was such a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Likewise. I really, um, really love talking to you. Please tell us where we can find you and um, tell us about the podcast. Real spoilers. I'm a huge, huge fan of it. I've been listening to it for oh, years, as I mentioned. Well, thank you. Uh, So real spoilers, uh, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, and basically the elevator pitch for that is it's uh, every week we talk about a new release in a spoiler rich environment. It's like a book club for movies, but without Oprah. And uh, (laughs) so if you're going to tune in, you need to have either already seen the movie or not care if it gets ruined for you. So and then you can find me on Twitter at 
Roger Kubert or uh, on Facebook at facebook.com slash Tom O'Keefe. And then you can find our podcast online at facebook.com slash real spoilers. Yeah, some of my favorite episodes are the ones where I have no interest in the movie, so I can hear all the spoilers and hear you guys like, a lot talk. Of people, they <laughs> yeah. love that. They're like, I'm never going to go see this, this, yeah. you know, this Vin <laughs> Diesel movie, and so I don't care if you ruin it. And so, yeah. absolutely, so have at it. Now I, at least I, it's in my head and I can I know about it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It's also great for movies like Spider-Man No Way Home, right? Where like there's this, like you want to talk about it, yeah. you can't talk about it, you ruin it for people, right? Because yeah. there's so many great like things to discuss organically so um you know it's 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 great for a movie like that as well yeah yeah no really really enjoy the podcast i look forward to it every week um so yeah thanks for thanks for doing it and uh you can find me on twitter at vertigay314 also follow the podcast at it pod to be you uh we're gonna rate review and subscribe to the show to help people find the show um tom again thank you so much it's such a pleasure and as listeners thanks for listening 